Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hey, everybody. You know how I say every week I got a great one for a change? Well, that's a joke. Because it suggests that most of these are just terrible. And that is just not the case. It's what we call a conceit. I mean, how could I sustain an audience if almost all of my podcasts were just crappy? The exception, of course, are the podcasts I do with Norm Ornstein, which just, well, they are not up to not only my standards, but the National Board of Podcasts has labeled them as, quote, unlistenable. And I don't know why. Norm's a smart guy. He knows a lot. He's widely sought after as a guest on, well, practically everything. Now, I think the problem might be is that we grew up in the same suburb of Minneapolis, St. Louis Park, which when Norm and I were growing up was called St. Jewish Park because Uh, We were 20% Jewish, and in Minnesota, that's a lot of Jews. In fact, in Minnesota, any Jews is a lot of Jews. In fact, that was our license plate until 1959. But today, I have one of my favorite guests, Dahlia Lithwick, writes about the Supreme Court for Slate and has her own podcast on the court, Amicus, and of course, This week, we saw the 20 members of the Judiciary Committee, upon which I used to sit, question Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Of course, there were some spectacular awfulness from Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, and Marsha Blackburn. There's the saying at the annual Democratic Farmer Labor Party uh, annual dinner in Minnesota, which is, Everything's been said, but not everyone has said it. So every one of those very smart but contemptible Republican senators and also uh, Marsha Blackburn repeatedly pounded the lie that Judge Jackson was soft on pedophiles. Hawley had uh, started that line of attack a good week before the hearings. Fox News legal analyst Andrew McCarthy wrote in the conservative periodical National Review that Hawley's attacks were, quote, meritless to the point of demagoguery. Numerous publications noted that Hawley had repeatedly quoted Judge Jackson wildly out of context and that Hawley had tweeted, quote, Notice an alarming pattern when it comes to Judge Jackson's treatment of sex offenders, especially those preying on children. But these cases were about people who had received images of child pornography, a a very serious crime which can encourage the sexual exploitation of children. But these are just people who had received 
that weren't preying on children and weren't sex criminals. But Hawley's claim was deliberately misleading. And as it turns out, Judge Jackson's sentencing record in these cases mirrored that of the large majority of federal judges, including the one who had been Hawley's choice for a federal judgeship in his state of Missouri. Yet none of that had any effect on the questioning from Republican senators who continued to mischaracterize, misquote, and misrepresent Judge Jackson's sentencing in these cases over and over again throughout or three days before the panel. Regarding the Democrats on the committee, Dolly and I also kind of shared a critique about their approach with Republicans constantly talking about how grieved they were about the treatment of SCOTUS nominees Bork, Alito, Thomas, Kavanaugh, and Coney Barrett, we both thought it was odd that no Democrat pointed out that they stole two seats. You remember that Republicans said that they couldn't take up Garland because it was an election year. Scalia had died in February. But in 2020, they rushed Coney Barrett through in time for her to get sworn in just a week before the 2020 election. So now they have a 6-3 majority, and they're complaining. Dahlia discusses what uh, June is going to look like. That's when this term ends. Uh, Roe's going to be gone, Roe v. Wade. The EPA is going to be weakened. Heller, gun rights expanded. Both of us wish that the Democrats on the committee had used these hearings to show the importance and the stakes of the midterms and of keeping the Senate in the majority. Well, you'll hear all that, and Dahlia is always amazing, unlike Norm. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me learn real-life conversation in German. For example... Let's say you wanted to order soup with your dinner. Die Suppe würde mir auch gefallen. That means the soup. <laughs> that means that means I would also like the soup. And that way I get soup with dinner. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash franken. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash franken, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash franken. Rules and restrictions may apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. 
Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dahlia. Hi, Al. It's been a while. Was the last one we did with Sarah Stace about after uh, the Texas uh, SB8? Yes, it was. Oh, that was so depressing. I just so enjoy these things with you, except that one. Oh, it was great, but it was so depressing. So this is going to be so much more fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so let me fun. let me pin <laughs> let me pinpoint this in time okay because we're recording this on a uh, uh, tuesday afternoon late afternoon uh you and i have both been watching the hearings thus far and i think they're at blumenthal now so we haven't been uh oh we don't we haven't gotten to holly yet today which will be very interesting uh, and cruz uh was a little while ago, and that was exciting, right? That was, you know, I thought Lindsey Graham was like peak unbelievable, but then when Ted Cruz had the frolicking diaper baby illustration behind his head with the anti-racist diaper babies, and I was just like, who in his world said a good picture to put behind your head when you're acting <laughs> like an adult frolicking diaper baby is a bunch of anti-racist it was a strange video choice well there's something off about ted there just is right and um that's great for me because he's in my act a lot and <laughs> and so there's lots of ted stories there's a ted cruz section of my show <laughs> okay so, so but uh god he was obnoxious and of course he lied about critical race theory as they all do but that's what they do right but man was he obnoxious uh lindsey though the first day the first day the whole thing about he was so resentful that he didn't get to choose the Supreme Court nominee. She would have had 60 votes, J. Michelle Childs. He's telling us that now as a matter of counterfactual, unprovable truth, <laughs> that he could have gotten her 10 votes. Yeah, it's the most petulant. It, it, it was really, I mean, first of all, there was that. And then there was the strange, and I know we're going to talk about the weird child predator, like who's in on child predator QAnon and who isn't, but he wasn't willing to be in it, but he was willing to conscript Josh Hawley to do it. Like he was like, I'm not going to ask you questions about whether you're soft on child sex offenders, but I am going to approve of Josh Hawley doing so. And it was just so dumb. What was interesting about Hawley was, of course, Hawley is usually just so also over the top, but he was really muted yesterday but that's because and i didn't realize it until afterwards which is he had been kind of outed as very 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 egregiously publishing misleading stuff about her out of context right i, I mean, I mean to be clear he waited until last thursday and we can talk about whether that had anything to do with the specter of Clarence Thomas going into hospital and everything suddenly dialed up. And then right before the hearings, he drops this tweet storm, as you say, massively, massively 
misrepresenting Judge Jackson's uh, sentencing of uh, child sex offenders in a way that gets him just bitch slapped into next week, not just by people like Doug Berman, you know, experts on sentencing, but by the National Review Online, right? Andrew McCarthy is like, this is scurrilous and it's a smear. Everyone across the boards, including a whole bunch of federal judges say, you have so badly distorted her record, this is beneath you. And then he kind of has to walk into the hearings and defend himself. And the fact that he went forward with it and that Marsha Blackburn doubled down on it. (laughs) Does she not read the National Review online? I don't know. I don't think she's very smart. (laughs) That would certainly explain um, the transgender uh, athletes and critical race. Like she was just doing the dartboard. Should I Hate by Marsha Blackburn. I, I, I mean, all of the critical race theory, the books we teach our children, uh, teachers taking away parental prerogatives, her entire hit list had nothing to do with anything that is ever going to come before Ketanji Brown Jackson when she's a justice. I mean, one thing I did want to ask you is once it became clear that even Fox News, even the National Review Online were just roundly spanking Josh Hawley for distorting her uh, sentencing record for for child sex offenders. By the way, sex offenders meaning people possessed. Right. These are non, yes, this is non-production offenses. Right, and, right. you know, basically. Non-production of child pornography. Exactly. People These just are, received it, which is bad. What Judge Jackson has been referencing as the lookers. They're the people who look. And right. the sentencing guidelines are wildly off. And judges have been historically very, very inclined to deviate down. And usually the prosecutors ask for downward departure. So nothing that Holly seized upon was legitimate. But I guess I was super interested in who are they pitching to once they've already been renounced by Fox and by the National Review? When you say by Fox, was it just somebody on Fox? Yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't it wasn't a host. No, though, no, right? no. I think it was just okay. somebody and it might have been Andrew McCarthy again who wrote the NRO piece, but it was certainly enough that you know, serious conservative. It wasn't Sean Hannity going, no. like, I'm offended. <laughs> or Tucker, <laughs> Tucker Carlson being like, you know, this is a short line to Pizzagate, right? Like once you start saying that Democrats are all child uh, pedophilia sex offenders. But Tucker said, what's really going on here? <laughs> and then he tells you what isn't going on. But here, okay, really, I do have a question. Let's, okay, here's let's question. say that the people who were willing to set aside the results of the 2020 election. So who's that on the Judiciary Committee? That's Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, John Kennedy. Are they the three who are willing to set the thing aside? Just them. I'm just wondering what the correlation is of people who were affirmatively happy about the possibility of a coup and the people who are just peddling a bunch of garbage about pedophilia and Ketanji Brown-Jackson. That's what I'm asking. I mean, the Republican Party, about two-thirds of Republicans believe the election was stolen now, right? I have contact with some of my former uh, Republican colleagues, 
And I do ask them, like, why don't you just say the election wasn't stolen? <laughs> and then there's a long back and forth in which they just kind of, you know, do that kind of thing. And then finally, they go like, look, if I said it, I'd lose my primary and you get a guy crazier than me. And, well, okay, but really how much crazier than you? And, <laughs> but I mean, they're just scared of their base. And that's very frightening. You know, we're not going to talk about elect, you know, uh, election law. We're talking about the Supreme Court. So let's talk about, uh, so Lindsay, um, <laughs> I love they all went like, what you guys did to Bork. I know. And what you did to Kavanaugh. And by the way, with Kavanaugh, they had a tip line that went right to Don McGahn. But Democrats on the committee want as little heat as possible. They have to respond to the worst thing, but they're not going to bring that stuff. And then Coney Barrett. They, oh, that's another thing. They keep bringing up how she was attacked about her religion. She wasn't attacked about her religion one time, uh, obviously, during the Supreme Court. Not even uh, the Supreme Court. Hearing. It was the Seventh Circuit. It wasn't even by yeah, the time yeah. she was. And that up, was once. Yes, that was Diane Feinstein who who said, unfortunately, the dogma lives loudly within you, which is like Yoda speak. I don't even know what it means. <laughs> I, uh, yes, but um, that's it. That's it. That's it. And they quote that, but that's from 2017, and yeah. it wasn't this last time. And also. Why aren't we saying Merrick Garland? How about Merrick Garland? Remember Merrick Garland? Someone should say that. Have we said that? I has think anyone Durbin said that? has said it. And certainly um, Senator Leahy has been quick to say, actually, the only person who's packed the court is uh, Mitch, Mitch McConnell. McConnell. But, yeah. but I think that there's been a decision. I mean, you're so right. This is like weird back to the future. I described it on some show yesterday as it's so like 80s and 90s. It's like Monica versus Rachel. And we're having this conversation <laughs> about a TV show that's about like Bork and about Miguel Estrada and Janice Rogers. And it's so weird because it's like you have a six to three supermajority. You're about to overturn Roe and put guns in the hands of every single person on the New York City subway. Like you won everything. Stop whining and they can't they're like and then one time they said a really super mean thing to clarence thomas one time so there's just like i don't know how How about the alito thing oh, the now, alito. we're back yet yeah, we did alito again today now alito okay this is my recollection of this which is that alito when he applied to the reagan administration put as the only organization they belong to was the concerned alumni of Princeton. Princeton yeah. And what were they concerned about? Were they concerned about the state of the language labs? No. They were concerned about, oh, black and Hispanic and women coming to Princeton. Now, that's a legitimate thing to raise at his hearing, going like, okay, that's the one organization <laughs> <laughs> and kind of their focus was keeping this a white male institution. 
it was quite a weird day. And and by the way, after the break today, because both Graham and J- John Cornyn seized on this, you called the president a war criminal. You called Donald Rumsfeld a war criminal. And it turned out, ouch, that this was just in a, a habeas brief that she had submitted, where she basically said, because you all tortured all these Gitmo detainees, like you tortured the hell out of them. Uh, those are war crimes. And they turned that into, how dare you call Donald Rumsfeld a war criminal? So that was also (laughs) completely out of context. She didn't actually call them war criminals. No. I gotcha. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. But also, that was like a crime and happened during war. She certainly says the things that are alleged to have been done to my client who was tortured would constitute war crimes. That got cherry picked into you can't find a nicer name for the president than war criminal, which is even still fractionally less stupid than Ted Cruz's. You are on the board of a school where they teach a book about <laughs> anti-racism and her answer was just like yeah no i don't pick the curriculum i I don't know what you're talking about also this has been a bugaboo of mine which is no republican actually has done the work of knowing what critical race theory is and critical race theory is i don't want to i've done a few podcasts on this because it's they're they're lying about you know Youngkin is pledging that the day one that I'm governor, we stop teaching critical race theory in our public schools, which they don't. They're not teaching critical race theory. It's taught in graduate school and they're, they're teaching. Yeah, the stuff he pulled up was stuff saying like, you know what? Um, there is uh, race is is an issue. <laughs> and you know, and there's racism. That's not critical race theory. Critical race theory, as you know, because you're in the whole law field, is a legal construct. Oh, and then he went critical means Marxist. Right. Did, did Cruz go there? Yep. He did. Yeah. <laughs> he did. <laughs> oh, my God. He's awful. So, um, but wait, can we do one more beat on that? Because you're the, you're exactly right. Do you remember you said this? Sam Alito put into his own materials, this is a group that I was involved in that I'm proud to be associated with. How that's comparable to her being on the board of a school that is by design doing justice, racial justice, and that those things are the same, right? That there's a book that's being taught to the kindergartners in her school that is analogous to him bragging about being in an organization at Princeton that wanted to keep people out. Okay, those are the same. That's an analogy. Hmm. It's too bad I'm not there because these are the kinds of things I love to do. I know. <laughs> and love to do. And, and I know the instruction is no heat, you know, just let's get every possible vote we can by playing nice. But it's, it's so offensive. These hearings 
completely underscore the importance of the midterms and of keeping the Senate, right? And and I wrote this last night because I was so frustrated. The way the Senate Democrats are conducting themselves, it's not just that there's like some sense that there's no midterm coming or the midterms in which they will lose the Senate is coming. But also in three months, Al, there's going to be no Roe v. Wade. <laughs> in three months, uh, you know, Heller is going to be vastly expanded. The EPA is going to be crippled. Like this is really an historic term, which we don't have to talk about at length. We've talked about it before. I've never well, seen we'll it. talk about it at the end of the term. I've never seen a term like this. And how is it possible that we have Democrats on the committee who are talking as though, like, talk about, you know, it's like the 80s as the most explosive item on the term is, I don't know, you know, the Dormant Commerce Clause came up today. No, everything is on the table this term. And the fact that we're not using it to draw a line between not just what's at stake in the midterms, but what's literally going to happen in the last week of June I don't know. I guess it's not turning up the heat, but this is your moment to explain to the American people what it is that the court's been doing for the last two years and what we just forgot. Yeah. And of course, the hypocrisy of crying about Bork when Merrick Garland <laughs> and then Coney Barrett was, was sworn in, what, like eight days before the election? Yeah. And the voting had already started, right? Early voting had already started. Oh. There were millions. Yeah. To, and, and remember in uh, in 16, they said, well, there's already votes from New Hampshire. Yep. That's what they said. And so this this was probably tens of millions of votes. Yep. By the time when she was sworn in, there were tens of millions of votes. Yep. And if you want to pull on this one further, I think that not only are the Democrats really missing an opportunity to explain how the court has changed in four short years and what's at stake. But I think that it's also somehow the only people who have a coherent theory of what judges do are Republicans. And they just keep saying, you know, originalism, 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 as though it means something stipulated it doesn't mean anything. But here's a really good opportunity to say, no, this is our theory. <laughs> it's better. <laughs> and it's not living constitutionalism, which is an idea that like, I think was in vogue in 1974 and never spoken again. But like, give us a theory, give us an elevator pitch, help the American people understand that the alternative to like talking to the framers with a Ouija board is X. And we can't do it. We can't freaking explain to the people what it is that a judge could do if it wasn't original public meaning or all of these, you know, theories. And it's so maddening. You have this national infomercial about why it is that the Trump judges are screwing up the country and you can't say a sentence about it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Slate's Dahlia Lithwick. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at Amazon.com slash Instant Eraser Foundation. We're back with one of our favorites, Dahlia Lithwick. I don't know about Schumer's leadership. This is what I question. It's like, I know what's happening in caucus. Like, we want every vote we can get. And so, uh, yeah, don't rock the boat. Just keep the heat down so we can get 52. (laughs) And it's like, no, no, draw the contrast and respond to them. No, it's it's really strange because it ends up boxing the nominee into that box. If all yes. you have is either originalism or make crap up and do interpretive dance, which is right how Mike Lee describes constitutional, you know, theory, then if nobody on your side is saying no, there's a thing that isn't interpretive dance. It's a really cool way of deciding, you know, constitutional law that actually expands the vote. It's good. You know, today we had this completely dumb conversation about substantive due process and privacy and reproductive rights and LGBTQ rights. And nobody said a freaking word about like, maybe it's a good thing that people can choose to have birth control in their marriages. Thank you, Griswold versus Connecticut. And so it's just like the (laughs) asymmetry of like the elevator pitch. Also, Cornyn brings up trying to overturn Dred Obergefell. Scott. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, uh, Dred Scott, in fairness, wasn't overturned. No. <laughs> there was a uh, constitutional amendment, I guess. Yeah. But uh, no, it was basically him wanting to overturn. I mean, he wants re- to overturn Obergefell uh, and probably. He wants to overturn Obergefell. And I'm yeah. sorry, but does anyone actually care about that anymore? Well, I mean, I think, look. uh, Other than Cornyn? Marsha Blackburn tweeted or said, or I don't know what she did, some creepy thing about how the people of Tennessee are very confused about Griswold. It's a confusing holding, and we should really, like, probe this question of birth control. And they are definitely, like, wanting to go back. Like, they want to hopscotch back from Obergefell and marriage equality and Lawrence and, you know, the right to have same sex uh, relationships. And they want to hopscotch back to Roe and then back to Griswold. And like, really, really, I do think that part of this whole conversation about. How is that a winner? How is birth (laughs) control a winner for anyone now? What percentage of women use birth control? Uh, What percentage of even Catholic women use birth control? I mean, it's crazy. Probably, uh, Probably Catholic women higher. 
Yeah. No, I mean, it's an insane thing. But if you look. Well, it's like 90 what percent of Catholic women. It's it's astonishingly high. I don't have the number at my fingertips. But I think if you look at these people who are. Why don't you? I don't because I suck. Um, (laughs) If you look at these. You know, it's a 15-week abortion ban. Now it's a six-week ban. Now it's right when there's a heartbeat. I, I mean, you are looking at pushing this back into getting rid of in vitro, getting rid of surrogacy. Like, these folks, the life begins, like, even... When you sit down on the bar stool next to the guy and he buys you a drink, that's when life begins. That's- Tony Barrett belonged to a group that took out an ad, an anti-abortion ad in the South Bend paper. But that group was against in vitro fertilization. So the question, if I had been there, that I would have asked her was, okay, you're in South Bend. This is a hypothetical, but it's not one you're going to have to decide on. Okay, you're passing a building. It's on fire. You know this building has two things in it, a, a pre-K, uh, you know, child care center and uh, an in vitro fertilization clinic. And on the, on the you get there and there's a lot of smoke and the, the teachers for the, in, uh, for the child care thing have gotten everybody out but a girl on, in a wheelchair. And you can either save her or the thousands and thousands of lives in the freezers. Which would you go and save, Judge Barrett? The thousands of people in the freezers or the four-year-old girl in the wheelchair? And tell me your thinking. But, but Al, if you think about even SB8 in Texas, which we talked about, that's trying to do the same thing, which is say this carefully calibrated balance that we've had through Roe, through Casey, the mother's interest and the fetus's interest is done. There's no mother's interest anymore, right? Like when you hear Amy Coney Barrett say, oh, we don't need to have any abortions because mommy can drop the baby off at the fire station. There's no burden on her. That's essentially the same question. The interest of the fully realized living human, human mother is now gone. I mean, it's over and it's not a balancing. It's not a calibrating. It's a right. These laws are insane that are being passed, including, you know, we're going to start to criminalize miscarriages and we're going to criminalize getting abortion drugs, you know, from a different state. We are in that world that that hypo that you just posited were there. And the, the life of the living, breathing adult human is less of a priority than the fertilized egg. And now we're just going to watch that play out. And that's the answer to why we're talking about Griswold, right? That was a completely inoffensive right for married couples in Connecticut to use birth control. And Amy Coney Barrett, we've talked about this before, would not say at her hearing that Griswold was good precedent of the court. Because that's what they're coming for next, my friend. Womp womp. Okay. Remember I said the last time we talked, it was depressing? Yeah, I know. Okay. Can we do Ted Cruz again? Yes. Okay. Let's do Ted Cruz. <laughs> so what was his first day? Uh, first day, oh, it was uh, gun control. Talked about gun control, right? A little right? bit. A little bit on guns. Um, de- de- Democrats want to abolish the police. Yep. He said that. <laughs> Tom Cotton did the full-on American 
carnage, mobs of marauding, torch-wielding. I don't know what he was watching. He was yeah, watching Tom some Cotton Mel was, Gibson uh... movie. I don't know what was happening. He was like Mad Max times 12. I don't know what that was. Yeah, it's hard to decide which of the three is worse. Holly, uh, Cruz, or Cotton. By the way, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking that we're so close now to losing our democracy, but that's a different thing. But they aren't bringing that up either. Not at all. You know how it's coming up? Actually, Amy Klobuchar is bringing it up because she keeps referencing what's happening in Ukraine and the need for a rule of law and the need for democratic institutions. But I don't think that you have to point to Ukraine. You can point to January 6th, and I haven't heard that once, I think. I don't think I've heard it once. Yeah, and you have a political party, an entire political party, calling that legitimate political discourse. Yep. Yep. That, that's, it just, I'm, I'm getting 1984 kind of war is peace stuff out of them. I, I think that it's just a decision to take the win, right? Like, we're not going to dial this Oh, well, up. The, not, not war is peace from us, but war is peace from that whole... Oh, uh, I mean... The Republicans. Li- yeah, no, I mean, listen, I think it, it's so interesting when you get somebody who says, just please read my 570 written opinions, right? That's what Judge Jackson said. She can't actually do a really deaf job answering these, like, legal philosophy questions. She got a little stumped today with Cornyn on, you know, substantive due process and, uh, you know, unenumerated rights. Like she's not doing elevator pitches. This is not a person who flew down to Florida to litigate Bush v. Gore the way John Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett all did. This is just a judge's judge who's just like, I don't have a philosophy. I have a methodology. And you can look at my freaking 600 cases and you can find out what kind of judge I am. And they're like, we don't want to talk about what kind of judge you are. We want to talk about critical race theory. And it's, it is... 1984. I mean, it's a total unwillingness to take her on the terms, the purported terms of you are a judge, you are going to be a justice. Let's look at how you do judging. And nobody's interested in talking about that. Let me ask you about that, because she says, I have this methodology. She said that in her intro. By the way, I was so moved by her former roommate. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. It, it's me. I, I, I saw that as like, I don't know how long that, that intro was, like seven minutes. But it was like a seven-minute speech that she probably wrote in eight minutes. Cause it was so right from the heart. I mean, it was so beautiful. She's the friend you're immediately drawn to for their outgoing and friendly nature. As our circle of friends grew, she's the one who became the rock for us all. Even though we are the same age, she is the role model who makes you believe in what she said. You can do it, and here's how. And she showed us how. By the power of her example of hard work, preparation, and excellence that transforms the seemingly impossible into the achievable. It's like you've never seen anyone introduced like that. That... Uh, that was amazing. That was someone who was a lifelong friend and who together they had gone through these, what had been barriers 
And if you read their story about about the judge telling them, like, okay, we can protest, but don't, you know, study when they're in college, right? Telling your roommates, Judge Jackson would say, like, eh, okay, yeah, we should protest this, but not spend all our time protesting, guys. I was so moved by that. I, I was moved, and I was also, I have to confess moved by her husband, Patrick, who was oh. sitting behind her and weeping silently. And I was just like, this is the great. And here's a little piece of reporting. His socks. Did you see his socks? He was wearing George Washington socks yesterday. Ben Franklin socks today. Man is a legend. But just <laughs> the weeping quietly as she was thanking the family. I, I, this is um, whatever else you may think. Oh, how about her parents? Oh my God, her parents. <laughs> I, know. I know. And I love the, um, I love uh, Tucker Carlson asking, you know, demanding that we see her LSATs. Now, Tucker has not produced his SATs yet. I'm just asking questions here. But is he not releasing his SATs because they're so low? I'm just asking a question here. Did he get like a 320 on his verbal and a 410 on his math? I mean, I, you know, that's probably why he's not releasing them. You know that expression, the whole purpose of racism is to keep you from doing your work. I think there's something really fantastically interesting about what you just said, which is this is a person... Now we're talking about Judge Jackson, not Tucker Carlson, who just (laughs) put her head down and did the work, like did the work through high school, did the work through college, did the work through law school, through eight years on the bench, through one year on the federal appeals court. She's just like every time they say to her, Ben Sass today, but what's your lofty philosophy? Like, is it more Larry Tribe or is and she's just like, dude, I just... All I do is judge. I'm just doing this work. And it's so strange that that's the thing you have to do to get a seat at the table. And then you're sitting at the table and they're like, that's not enough either. All that work you did, all that work, you know, those briefs you wrote, by the way, some of them were for Cato. Like, this is not an ideologue. This is a person who just was a really diligent lawyer and judge. And then to hear like just Ted Cruz being like, but critical race theory. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about right now. It has nothing to do with the work I do. It's just so doubly depressing. You know, like this is just a person who's worked her ass off and done a great job. And that's not when she says she has a methodology. Yes. And not a like a philosophy Philosophy. overall. Yeah. Do they are they they going like, ooh. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh, you got to have a philosophy that we can tear apart. And and the more she says she doesn't have one, the more they just like the incredulity that a person who, as she keeps saying, I mean, she's so persuasive on this. She's like, I was a district court judge, like a philosophy, a constitutional philosophy is a luxury that is afforded to con law professors and Supreme Court justices. (laughs) You don't get to have a constitutional philosophy when you're just, you know, applying the Administrative Procedures Act. Like that's what she does. And so there's this weird way in which like she actually doesn't have a philosophy because she's too busy working and all these clowns who are like, but originalism, like who've never actually done any work. 
Anyway, I'll stop shouting now. It's very frustrating. I'll keep shouting. Okay. I also think there, I also, I mean, I did those hearings. I did three, I guess, three Supreme Court hearings. And I'm always fascinated with the different tack that people take. And every once in a while, there are certain ones where I'm going, like, oh, no, he's trying to show everything he knows. And that feels a little sassy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, the first time John Kennedy came, you know, I heard him uh, question. I went up to him. I said, did you ever see Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> what was the and, answer? <laughs> he hadn't. No. But uh, I just, that's all I could think of when I saw him, which is, uh, for listeners who uh, don't know Unfrozen uh, Caveman Lawyer, Phil Hartman was a <laughs> uh, caveman who was frozen, and now he's a trial lawyer. <laughs> and he just plays it. I'm just an unfrozen caveman lawyer. And I don't know much about the, the jet airplanes, blah, 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 but I do know this. And then he was a killer <laughs> in the court. <laughs> And so I just, I went, okay, unfrozen caveman. Then I'd explain it to him. And then I'd say how you're like unfrozen caveman lawyer. I'm just, a, uh, just a country, you know, and he went to Oxford and Virginia. Uh, boy, he's, he's been a little bit race, racist. <laughs> a lot of things he's done. His J. Crew catalog. He needs a better joke. He needs to stop likening everything to reading a J. Crew catalog, I think. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I, in the Merrick Garland thing, he just, just unfortunately, well, he's in Louisiana. So, <laughs> you know, you can't lose that way, I guess. But uh, I don't know. I'm not going to go through every colleague here. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's asked about court packing. And of course, isn't that an easy one? Like, that's like a legislative thing. And then, and also, I may have to decide on that. Yeah. And, I mean, that's easy. Some of them are easy and dumb, and some of them are hard and dumb. Critical race theory, how she deflects that, you know, the, the you're a pedophile, that's hard and dumb. Easy and dumb is demand justice likes you. We hate demand justice. Why do they like you? If they like you, we have to hate you. Like, that whole thing is dumb. But I liked her answer, which is a lot of people like me. Yeah. No, <laughs> and, and whoever was asking went like, "Yeah, well, that, oh, <laughs> that was oh, also, I should have anticipated that." Judge Jackson, <laughs> don't you think that J. Michelle Childs would have been a vastly better nominee than you? Lindsay's pick. That also, like, that's dumb and easy. But I think you know, I think that the things that are. Uh, court packing, you know, the answer is the right thing, which is I'm going to say the same thing Amy Coney Barrett said, which is it's none of my stankin' business. Next. Yeah, that's the, you can't say anything of that. I said the same thing, Amy Coney Barrett. So Sheldon, uh, again, it, it's about money, dark money, and the idea of them bringing up all the dark money behind you. And I just saw smoke coming out of Sheldon's ears, Sheldon Lyons' ears, because that's that's his issue. And you know, it's why do they? Well, of course they do, they just do it, don't they? They just doesn't matter. It's your 1984 thing. It's classic gaslighting. You know, accuse the Democrats of doing the thing 
that you did. So I, I think the dark money is a classic example of we actually purchased three Supreme Court seats. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you have a penny go into groups that care about this? So it's just gaslighting. Well, so great to see you. you too. Um, uh, looking forward to your piece and looking forward to the rest of these, these hearings. And Thank you for having me. You bet. Thank you. Okay. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed uh, listening. That beautiful music is by Leo Kotke, the great Leo Kotke. I want to thank Peter Ogburn for producing this podcast. We'll talk again next week. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com slash survey. The early 2000s was a wild time for reality TV. There seemed to be an endless supply of shows that delivered entertainment for us, but trauma for children. I'm Misha Brown, the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each week on The Big Flop, comedians join me to chronicle the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? We recently looked behind the scenes of what was really going on at Abby Lee Miller's dance studio. Abby's biggest misstep wasn't screaming nonsensical catchphrases or throwing chairs on television, but instead, she was choreographing financial fraud in plain sight. Join me to break down all the wild details of Abby Lee Miller's story. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Once upon a beat, remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuse, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the New Kids and Family Podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat.